It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Touchdown! You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how it's crossover Thursday. Jake Liskow from Locked On Bengals is here to talk about a week five matchup that has been wildly overshadowed. At least it was on Wednesday by the news of the day. An absolutely bonkers loaded news day from the Packers perspective. On Tuesday... Okay, when we woke up Wednesday morning, even it seemed like the big news of Wednesday would be the update on Jair Alexander. And we got one of those sort of more on that in a second. Then news broke pretty early in the morning, talking like 738 East Coast time. Adam Schefter drops the bomb that Stefan Gilmore is available. He's been released by the New England Patriots. And almost immediately, reports have him connected to the Green Bay Packers. And not just connected, but that Greg Bedard, formerly of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, now uh, runs his own site covering Boston sports. Uh, He said the league sources are saying the Packers are the favorite. Albert Breer who is at Sports Illustrated, MMQB, but is very hooked into the Boston scene, is on Boston radio all the time. He says Stephon Gilmore wants to play for the Packers. Now, it would require some some cap uh, shenanigans potentially. And the thought was about midday, oh, okay, well, this is actually going to be a trade probably leaked so that the Patriots could get something after they tried to get something and the Packers could just give up, you know, a day two, day three pick. I was thinking second, third round or even for Stephon Gilmore. It turns out he's going to Carolina for a sixth round pick. And the initial reaction from a lot of people, especially Packers fans, but it wasn't just Packer fans. This this happened a little bit, you know, 49ers Nation, Buccaneers fans, etc. Going, what the heck? 
Why didn't we make this six round pick? Come on, go do something. You know, pokes Brian Gudikins with stick meme. Here is what we we I think can glean from the timeline based on the reporting. The the Patriots reached out, and this has been, by the way, ongoing. Rob Domovsky added his por- portion of this after the trade was was announced. The Patriots reached out to a select group of teams and said, what can you do for us? There was not much traction there. This is a guy coming off a major quad injury. He was not playing great before the injury, but this is the 2019 Defensive Player of the Year we're talking about. At a premium position with big game experience, you know, a Super Bowl ring. Still, you've got an aging corner coming off a major leg injury and in the last year of his contract, presumably wanting a new deal. And at first, that was the big problem for any deal was, I want I want a contract. If you're going to trade me, that's fine. I want a contract. The Patriots clearly didn't want to give him the money. By the way, first red flag. Now, the Patriots always want to get out too early than too late. But if the Patriots don't want to pay you, something to think about. I think the Packers are much the same way. There are certain teams that you just trust on this stuff. And reportedly, and this is something that has been been you know part of the buzz in league circles for a long time, the Packers had been among teams previously involved in discussions with the Patriots. That this goes back to last year when it looked like he was going to be on the trade block before the injury. And... They were, I think, pretty obviously part of the conversations in in this go round. I believe multiple reports that says Stefan Gilmore was interested in Green Bay. I also believe and and said so as as a speculation before Rob Domovsky reported it to be the case that part of the reason why the Patriots had made it so clear by leaking to the media that the Packers were interested is because Stefan Gilmore wanted to go to Carolina and they were trying to extract some value from the Panthers. According to Domofsky, the Packers did not believe they could take on the Gilmore contract in a trade. That it was untenable. That the best way to do it was to be able to sign him and then they could basically sign him to a vet minimum deal with, you know, 11, $12 million signing bonus that they could spread out with void years, something like that. And that would make sense. That would make a lot of sense for them, actually. Whether Stefan Gilmore was open to that, we don't really know. But multiple reports, including Bedard's own, say he was interested in going to Green Bay. So that part of it is real. Green Bay's interest was real. The money part of this is complicated, and I wouldn't be surprised if in the next week, in the next 24 hours, 48 hours, we find out that the Panthers are going to give Stephon Gilmore some sort of monster deal. They have the cap space to do that. Green Bay would have had to do it in a more creative way. They could not give him some some monster deal, some mega deal, some four-year monstrosity. They were going to have to give him a one-year deal that could maybe be a two-year deal, but probably voids. I mean, there's always money in the banana stand. I say this all the time. It could have been workable. It seems like 
The Packers thought they could get him if he needed to sign somewhere. But that what ended up happening was the two preferred destinations for Gilmore were Carolina and Green Bay. The Patriots used the Packers' interest and Stephon Gilmore's interest in Green Bay as leverage with Carolina to say, give us something. Just give us something. You, you have a chance to get him if we just cut him outright. But you know you're going to get him. And the Packers, they're, they're not super pumped about giving us anything. So we want you to give us something. That seems to be how this played out. It's, it is not a situation best I can tell, and, and based on all the reporting, where the Packers cheaped out. This is not a situation where Green Bay said, we won't give up the pick. How do I, how do I know that? Why do I think that? Well, you know where it would have been really appealing to Stephon Gilmore? A place he can win a title. Kansas City. They would have given up a fifth round pick. No question for Stephon Gilmore. The Bucks, No question they would have given up a pick. The 49ers. The Seahawks. And, and obviously Carolina, Carolina would have given up a fifth if they would have asked for one. But Stefan Gilmore wanted to go to Carolina. He's from outside Charlotte. And that was probably his most preferred destination. So you only have access to the players that want to play for you and, and that you are in a position to uh, acquire. Now, does all of this throw into question the Kevin King signing when it was made? Yes, because one of the reasons why they didn't have the cap space, even after rearranging Aaron Rodgers' money and, and all of the salary cap machinations that they had to go through to get under the cap, they had to fully guarantee Kevin King's contract uh, week one because he's a vested vet. So moving on, they couldn't just like cut him and bring in Stefan Gilmore. It doesn't give them any cap relief to do that. He was going to count against the cap no matter what. And he's not a starting caliber player for the Packers. Or at least when everyone is healthy. Now, we add the context. Jair Alexander is out. And we thought we were getting an update. Matt LaFleur says they're trying to avoid surgery at all costs. Doing everything they can to avoid surgery. That means... Rehab, a brace, shoulder sleeves, these kinds of things, and hope it doesn't get worse. Can you rehab it? You know, mild practices during the week and then get out there on Sundays, gut it out and and try and, and do the rehab and healing process all over. This is what they're talking to experts trying to figure out. This is this is how they're trying. Are there are there different things that can be done? Uh, what kind of damage could be done if if they continue this way, if they don't surgically repair it? So that tells us that the injury is bad enough that it could be uh, surgically repaired, but not potentially bad enough that it definitely requires it. And so they're trying to avoid the surgery. The player always wants to play. That's the reality. The player always wants to play. Uh, they did bring in Russell Douglas. They signed him off the, the Cardinals practice squad. He was with the Carolina Panthers last year. And I said this on Twitter and, and some people looked at me kind of sideways about it because they had never heard of Russell Douglas, which I understand. And I, I said, if you had told me before the year, my choice was Russell Douglas or Kevin King to start a corner for the Green Bay Packers, I would take Douglas. By the way, Pro Football, Pro Football Focus agrees with me. 
They had him a better coverage grade than guys like Patrick Peterson, uh, Stefan Gilmore, by the way, when he got hurt, Casey Hayward, and of course, Kevin King, Josh Jackson, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if your starting outside corners are Russell Douglas, Kevin King, and Eric Stokes, if that's your three, oof, especially against a team like the Bengals when you have a shifty slot receiver like Tyler Boyd, who is a great route runner and knows how to get open. I don't know that that is ideal for you. My guess is they're going to go Stokes and King on the outside and Shannon Sullivan in the slot. And I think that is their best hope right now. And they're very lucky not to have Kevin King. I think if in March they would have signed Douglas instead of King, they could have made this deal. And that's what makes today all the weirder as we're recording this Uh, from a Packers standpoint. Ian Rappaport is reporting as we're recording this that Jalen Smith is on the Packers radar. So, man, it's bizarre. It is a bizarre day. We're going to have to see as the week goes on. You hope Kevin King gets cleared through concussion protocol because they need all the boundary corners they can get. They can't go into a game with Stokes, no King, a brand new player to their defense, and Isaac Yadam as their boundary corners. That leaves you perilously thin. And, and I think Douglas is probably a better player than Yadam to start with. So, I don't know. I, I I like the Douglas move in a vacuum. I would have liked it a lot in March if they said, okay, instead of signing Kevin King, we'll sign this guy for the vet minimum. That would have made a lot more sense. Would have been a lot better use of resources. I think you could have justified the King contract a little bit better if there had been scheme continuity, not a brand new scheme. Like, it's not like you're bringing in a guy who knows the defense. He doesn't. It's a brand new defense. And it's, it's not a defense that suits him either. So the, the King signing is is curious to me. It has only become more curious. And I just, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to understand it. I don't understand it. I don't understand why they, why they felt the need to do that. And I think t- today is the kind of day where you're going, man, this is, this, this really looks worse in retrospect. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. Rock Auto is the place where you can save money on car parts. Going to buy car parts is a hassle. It is a pain because I don't know about you. I'm not an expert. I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what I'm supposed to be paying. And guess who knows that? The person behind the counter. And they're going to punch in their numbers on their computer, figure out what's in their warehouse, and they're going to sell it to you for whatever price they feel like charging you. So why spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more at chain stores or dealerships when you could go to rockauto.com, a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for nearly a generation. This is a place that you can feel good about giving your money and you're saving money at the same time, right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
Before we get to the crossover part of all of this, um, I do think it is important that we talk about some of the, the late breaking news yesterday afternoon. Jalen Smith uh, is coming to Green Bay, according to Ian Rappaport. Uh, details still being worked out as of this recording. So trying to figure out what that looks like. Uh, the, the original podcast that we did and video that we did was recorded before those details came out. You can check out that full video on our YouTube page. We kept it up. Jalen Smith was once a highly touted linebacker, highly touted linebacker recruit, highly touted linebacker prospect before a pretty serious nerve uh, problem at Notre Dame caused him to fall down draft boards. Dallas drafted him anyway. He's rehabbing that whole first season. He ends up getting a pretty big extension, one that I was pretty dubious of when it happened. And so uh, I, I don't know what the plan here is. Are they going to convert him to outside linebacker? Uh, maybe, you know, could he be someone who helps them as a, as a blitz package player, someone like Oren Burks who can do a little bit of both, not a bad idea. I think this is more a, a reaction to where their inside linebacker room is. Now, Chris Barnes returned to practice, uh, on, on Wednesday. And I think that's an important step for this defense. Ty Summers has just not been good enough. Oren Burks has been, you know, pretty okay in their nickel and especially in their dime packages. But Jalen Smith is a potential upgrade over that, not over Chris Barnes at this point, I would say. I think Barnes is probably the better player. Now, are there are there reasons to be optimistic? Um, I don't know. Optimistic might be overselling it for me, but you could you could see a path where, OK, uh, maybe he wasn't healthy or maybe he wasn't in the best situation for him in Dallas and just needed a fresh start. I don't know. They seem pretty supportive of him. Now, Dan Quinn comes in, new system. Uh, I, I just don't really know what to expect here. I think it is a worthy risk from this standpoint is at one point in his career, he was a useful player. Those days might be past him. But for what I assume is basically nothing from a money standpoint, I get it. I get it. And and you're turning over the back end of your roster. I don't think Chris Barnes is going to scoff at playing special teams if that's what it takes. You know, Burks and Summers are already core special teamers. So, I mean, bringing, bringing someone like Jalen Smith in and seeing what he's got, I think it's a worthy gamble. Do, do I think it changes their life? No. Do I think he's going to be in the mix to play this week? No. So that gives us a little bit of time here to figure out what's going on. Uh, but I, I think it is important that we uh, we try and figure out uh, what what they're going to do with him. We don't know yet. And maybe we'll hear more about this uh, after after, you know, there's some sort of announcement. Brian Gutekinds will meet with um, the press presumably tomorrow and and announce both the Jalen Smith signing and the Russell Douglas signing um, and, and, and give some explanation to what's going on there. Um, so for now, it is, I guess, an interesting move. I don't think anyone should expect him to be. You know, the guy that he was maybe three years ago, he's he's not that player physically anymore. And I think from from a, an instinct standpoint, there's been some issues there. The, the linebacker play in Dallas has been much better since Micah Parsons arrived. Um, Leighton Van Der Esch has played better this year than than he had it under the previous scheme. So, again, this is one of those that I, I don't I don't really know what to expect, but it's a worthy gamble. It's a worthy gamble in the same way that Rick Wagner was and Christian Kirksey was and Devin Funches was guys that have some pedigree and some talent and some experience. And, and look, he got a big contract, didn't play that contract. Uh, those are those are worthy guys. If you can get them on, on the cheap, 
to come in and and see if you can get something out of them. I don't think we should be expecting the moon. But so long as as you come in with your eyes wide open to that, you know, maybe there there is a, a pathway here to be pleasantly surprised by what he's able to give them. Devondre Campbell's played great. He played really good football the last couple of weeks. And I think Chris Barnes is someone who who can be a useful player for them. So if you're just adding some competition to that room, like he's only going to play Jalen Smith is if he's good enough to play. And if he's good enough to play, then then you have some competition there. And if you if Barnes or God forbid, Devondre Campbell gets hurt, you have another player with experience who was a preferred starter for most of his career. Uh, who can step in and give you something. I think that's as far as it goes really at this point. So now that we've got that part of this taken care of, let's get to our crossover part of the episode. We are back for another crossover edition. It is a week five crossover edition. The Packers traveled to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. I'm Peter Bukowski, host of Locked on Packers, joined by one of the hosts of Locked on Bengals, Jake Lisko. And Jake, uh, these two teams... Very uncommon opponent. This is this is not exactly the uh, the league's oldest rivalry, but that makes it that makes these kinds of things fun, at least for me. I actually really like it when the Bengals play the NFC North. It's been some fun years for the Bengals, including a year the Bengals swept the NFC North. Uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, on the Dan LeBetard show in August was recounting his previous one of his most frustrating games. He said of his NFL career coming against mm-hmm. the Bengals, which the Packers, he said they were down like 16 zero and then came back and they were winning by two scores for the end of the game or were driving to kill the game. And then there was a fumble return for a touchdown. When Aaron Rodgers missed a fumble, he recounted his two interceptions in that game. He's like, I mm-hmm. always throw interceptions in Cincinnati. So, uh, you know, Bengals fans would love to see that happen again, but <laughs> I think things are very different for this edition. I think that was eight years ago. And so, different teams a little bit besides Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Mason Crosby might be the only guy from that team that is on this team. Now, Jonathan Franklin was the running back of that team, yeah. a breakout star in that game. And unfortunately it suffered a, a career ending injury. Um, might've been in that game. Uh, but, but really maybe right after I don't it, recall it, that it is uh, unfortunate because he was a really, a really popular guy in that Packers locker room. So the Bengals, a bit of a surprise three and one team. They come in, I, I think, feeling pretty good about what they've done coming off a, a, a big win against Pittsburgh. They have that wild Minnesota game that they could have lost and Minnesota could have lost 18 different times. So when you're when you're looking at, OK, what what is working for this team right now? What is the number one thing where you go, OK, this is what the Bengals can really hang their hat on right now? Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow in the last two weeks has looked like Joe Burrow in a better version or the best version of Joe Burrow that we saw as a rookie. He's obviously not played a full season worth of games yet, but he's finally moving and making plays off script like himself. Prior to that, the Bengals kind of sheltered him a little bit, but the deep ball with Jamar Chase seems to be unlocked so far, you know, totally flipped the script from last year when it was always Joe Burrow ever going to be able to throw deep is, and and the memes are out there, you know, he's 37 years old, I guess. And he can't throw an opposite hash, (laughs) you know, 35 yard vertical, which, you know, obviously he's done at age 24, by the way. Um, but he, he's been really good in the last two weeks. And the offensive line appears to have taken a step in the right direction. The big thing to watch this week is this offense is still, trying to be predicated off of Joe Mixon and running the football. And, you know, you listen to Brandon Staley talk about balance yesterday. I don't think it's quite the way that they're trying to do it in in Los Angeles, but 
for the most part, the Bengals are trying to implement a lot more running game this year. Mixon's been pretty good, but we'll have to see what his status is. Generally speaking, the Bengals getting really healthy, but Joe Mixon, the big question is, it sounds like they're really going to bring him along slowly with a sprained ankle. And if you're running back with a sprained ankle, you know, there's a lot of horizontal lateral movement and you probably take that a little bit easy. Yeah, the, uh, the the Bengals are 20th in rush offense DVOA, but the Packers 27th in rush defense DVOA. So it is uh, it's not quite strength against strength in that area. What do you think is different for the Bengals this year? Is is Jamar Chase the, the big reason why they're able to push the ball down the field a little bit more? Because they've had you know injuries to T. Higgins. They haven't really had their full complement of all these guys. It seems like Jamar Chase, maybe it's Joe Burrow's comfort with him that that's been enough. Like, hey, I'll, I'll sling it deep if that's the guy I get to throw to. I think that's certainly part of it. You heard Jamar Chase after he scored his touchdown against Pittsburgh. He pretty much went and said, hey, throw it up to me. And Joe Burrow's like, okay, I I threw it up to him and he went and got it. And, you know, there there are a few things there. One of them is certainly the comfort level between those two guys. Burrow's been throwing to Jamar Chase like a number one and teams are starting to treat him like a number one, following him with their top corner. And the Bengals, to their credit, have been creative and they've started to move him into the slot against Green Bay, as Mike Clay pointed out, as or not against Green Bay, against Jacksonville, as soon as Jacksonville started shadowing him just to get him more favorable matchups. And they have been moving him all over the place, which is actually something they didn't get from A.J. Green quite as much, I think, last year. And Jamar Chase, the direct replacement for A.J. Green. Joe Burrow has also improved, I think, in terms of his deep ball accuracy. He missed some early on, but in the last few games, he, he again, he's looked fantastic. PFS top-graded quarterback in that time, vaulting up in the EPA per play, leaderboards, whatever your metric is of choice. Joe Burrow in the last two games has been really good now. Those games came against Pittsburgh and Jacksonville, two of the worst defenses in the league somehow. And TJ Watt didn't play for for the Steelers. And I would say if TJ Watt isn't playing for the Steelers and Stephon Tewitt isn't playing for the Steelers, there's like one player on that defense and that's Cam (laughs) Hayward. And he was pretty good, but not good enough to mask the rest of the issues going on for Pittsburgh. So, you know, some quality of competition questions for sure. But when I look at the Green Bay matchup, it's like Adrian Amos, uh, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, And, uh, well, there's no Jair Alexander. So I I see it as another one where Joe Burrow could potentially try to pick apart a defense again, if given the opportunity. How do you think they're handling this idea of, of, Hey, we, we like to play from empty. Joe Burrow wants to play from empty. You mentioned the offensive line has, has taken a step forward. That was the big question mark coming in. You and I talked about it on locked on today, a couple of times, the idea of taking Jamar chase over someone like Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater. How has that offensive line coalesced so far this season? Well, the Bengals left tackle has been their best offensive lineman. Jonah Williams has been pretty good this year. I I would call him a top, I don't know, half of the league, at least left tackle. And he's Mm -hmm. been the solid player that I expected him to be. The left guard has been a pleasant surprise. Quentin Spain has taken a pretty big leap from where he was last year as he was cut from Buffalo and, and was trying to learn the ropes in Cincinnati. I mean, he was playing tackle in Cincinnati, he's he's very clearly not a tackle if you look at the way he plays and look at his build, but he's been pretty good at left guard. The concerned center right guard, Trey Hopkins, coming back from the ACL, hasn't been great this year. It's been pretty slow progress from him. At this point, I'm starting to ask the question, you know, have the injuries piled up too much for him because yeah. he's been dealing with them since coming out of Texas as an undrafted free agent and really slowly working his way into a starting job for the Bengals. Right guard Jackson Carmen has had the job for the last two weeks. The rookie the Bengals picked, they trade back for and target in the second round. Very 
explicitly and has left something to be desired, I think, in the run game. But as a pass blocker, I've actually been pretty impressed with his awareness, with his general movement ability. There's a touchdown the Bengals scored against Jacksonville where he gets his guy on the ground. The guy kind of trips a little bit, but Jackson Carmen helps him to the ground for sure. And there's a looper coming around on the other side of the tackle. And Carmen has his head on a swivel enough to go pick it up, kind of prevents a sack and allows Joe Burrow to get left and uh, make the touchdown happen off script. So credit Jackson Carmen for that sort of thing, doing a good job, keeping his levels in space, doing a good job, keeping his head on the swivel, looking for work and pass protection. And Riley Reef at right tackle has been solid, steady. You know, he's not a world beater, but they have Bobby Hart there for years. And yeah. Bobby Hart, I don't think it's on a team. The guy that was starting at left guard for the Bengals last year, Mike Jordan, not on a team. Billy Price, a subject of unfortunate ridicule because he's a good guy. But, um, you know, the Bengals won that trade, getting B.J. Hill from the Giants for Billy Price. <laughs> Defensively, and and I almost feel bad because we spent a lot of time talking about this Cincinnati offense and the defense has quietly been quite good. They're fifth in DVOA coming in to this game, uh, 11th against the pass and sixth against the run. The thing that that has really stood out to me is uh, their front has been much better than than it has been in years past. They add Trey Hendrickson, um, Larry Ogunjobi, who's been uh, quite good for them and, and Sam Hubbard as well, who just got the extension. So what has been the difference for this for this team this year? The glue is DJ Reader playing like the stud he was expected to be when the Bengals got him from Houston. He was hurt for most yeah. of last year, but he's really underrated playing, signing. He's been playing great too. And it's not just like as a run defender where he's been very good and is a reason that the Bengals linebackers look like they're all in the top 20 or so of the league, <laughs> specifically Logan Wilson, who actually has taken a massive step forward but is very much helped by a pretty dominant interior defensive line in front of him that's keeping him clean letting him make plays and to his credit he's making those plays and has like three interceptions this year which you certainly take for your second year linebacker from yeah. wyoming your third round pick but dj so reader is listed on the our lads depth chart twice at linebacker is that right <laughs> he's, lifted, well, he's he only listed at two linebacker thoughts as the starter there they you go. He only plays one of those <laughs> spots, but he is the every down linebacker for the Bengals. Jermaine Pratt, Akeem Davis Gaither used a little bit more flexibly, but he's been really good. But the big thing is, you know, that front playing great. Trey Hendrickson showing that he wasn't just a Cam Jordan beneficiary in New Orleans. He's been playing pretty well. And the interior defensive line from top to bottom are studs from DJ Reader, Josh Tupo to BJ Hill and uh, Larry Joby, as you mentioned, those guys are all playing great. The, the last thing I want to get to here before we, we turn the tables is how they are going to defend Devontae Adams because every team is going to do it a little bit differently. The Steelers brought bracket coverage a ton. Most teams that said, okay, we're going to live in too high. We're going to make sure that, that the safety to Devontae Adams side is shaded to that side if we can, and we're going to make the other guys beat us. How do you see Cincinnati trying to take care of Devontae Adams in this game insofar as any team can do it? Because no one has really found, you know, no one has locked him down. I don't think there's a real way to handle Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers together because those guys are so good together. But I'm thinking back, like the best receivers the Bengals have played this year are certainly the Minnesota pair. Mm -hmm. and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And in that game, the Bengals shadowed Jefferson for the most part with their only healthy starting outside corner, Chidobe Awuzie, who's working back from a groin injury this week, but is at this point expected to play in practice this week. 
Wouldn't surprise me to see them do that again to some degree. I think he's a little bit better in terms of changing direction and hanging with those good route runners like Adams. And uh, you'll probably see them try to put speed on speed with Trey Waynes against the, you know, some of the deep threats, the, the, uh, who's, who's the, de- um, why am I forgetting his well, Mark West Valdez Scanling is on IR, unfortunately. So oh, he's okay. not going to so be he's... in this game. And then they're going to, they're going to try and take some deep shots. Alan Lazard, maybe yeah. St. Brown gets an opportunity. Um, they, they hit a, they, well, they hit, they had a play action shot played or big Bob Dunyan against a corner that Roger just missed last week. So, um, yeah, it's definitely an element of the offense that, that, that they're missing right now. I didn't realize Valdez Scanling was hurt. That, that seems like it's kind of a big deal. It is. It is a big deal. They were able to make up for it against the Steelers with Randall Cobb and and some of that middle of the field stuff. So I, I think that that probably necessitates some shuffling of of how teams are going to want to play the Packers. But we only have really one game of evidence to to tell us, and the Steelers are our unique beast because of what they're able to do with with the way that they're multiple. So uh, something, the something have been very multiple this year as well just to point that out they have been doing a variety of things you and and ricardo allen getting back this week might mean you see a lot of three safety looks mm. the bengals had three safeties on the field for like 21 plays against the vikings in week one and and allen got hurt in that game he coming back this week you might see a lot of that depending on the personnel the packers present them with to try to help with Devonte adams all right a lot a lot more to come on this crossover edition. Locked on Packers, locked on Bengals. We'll get to that in just a second. But before we do, let me tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, the number one place for you to get all of your sports gambling needs met. They've got a new interface. They do a terrific job getting all kinds of props, opportunities, everything you could want from a site where you put a little money down to make a little money as well. Bet online has it there for you. Basketball right around the corner, plus a ton of football. Golf is is never gone. It's never gone. We've got a, a big match coming up in Thanksgiving. Bryson DeChambeau against Brooks Kepka. So plenty of opportunities for you to make some money on all of the sports knowledge that you acquire as a listener to the Locked On Podcast Network. Use the promo code fifteen to get or uh, Locked On to get fifty percent deposit bonus that's promo code locked on to get that 50 percent deposit bonus when you sign up we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed all right great to talk to jake We'll be back tomorrow, live stream, 5.30 Central Time, 6.30 Eastern. What is that? 3.30 Pacific Time, just in case that's you. Um, Did I do that math right? I hope so. Uh, Subscribe to The Leap. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we, we We are starting to get some nice traction on YouTube. Shout out to everyone watching. What's up? I'm waving. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.